welcome to another exciting podcast from Sydney Life Church. And now, here's Pastor Tom Ingalls. Samuel Chadwick, a great English, he's a Methodist theologian. When Samuel Chadwick preached, people listened. Great theologian. He achieved a lot of stuff in his life. And they asked him at the end of his life, if you had to start all over again, what would you do? And he says this, he says, if I had to start all over again, in spite of everything that he achieved, I would pray more than I did. I would pray more. And he says, it seems the most powerful thing in God's plan for man is prayer. And yet, there's only one thing more astounding. A man or a woman who knows it, but doesn't do anything about it. That's astounding. Amen. So, <clears throat> ignorance is costly if, if, if we don't know or we ignore prayer. Ignorance works if you don't know stuff, you're ignorant. Or if you ignore to do stuff that you do know, you're still ignorant. And it's costly because the Bible says, lest Satan should get, take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his, de- his, of his devices. That scripture there, the context of that is forgiveness in 2 Corinthians. But basically what he's saying here, he's saying that, that if you're ignorant of the value of prayer, that's what I'm saying, if you're ignorant of the value of prayer, the devil will take advantage of you. What does that mean? It means simply this. If you're ignorant of anything in God's word, The devil comes along and takes advantage. Now, we understand what the word advantage means. But what does it really mean? What does it mean in the the Greek? It means that you you will have to be content with a smaller amount. Amen. If you're ignorant, you will have to be content with a smaller portion. In other words, if, if, if we're ignorant of prayer, if we don't value prayer, then you'll have to be content with a lesser portion than what you could receive. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless you. Some people come and say, well, you know, Pastor, God, I don't know, God seems to bless you. He doesn't seem to bless me. God loves you the same. But maybe you're receiving the smaller portion because you've put yourself in that position. Does that make sense? Amen. So, I mean, here's this great theologian, and he says, I wish I would have prayed, I would have prayed more. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is just go through some of this stuff. For centuries, the church has prayed. And we've prayed prayers like this. And this is very current in the time in which we live. The guys like Bill Johnson and the incredible um, way God's using him. But, you know, this whole kingdom connection. Kingdom earth connection. You're all aware of that probably. And, and we've been praying these prayers for maybe the last 10 years or, or, or whatever. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation 5. And I want to show you what would actually happen if we genuinely prayed these prayers. Revelation 5. Revelation 5. What would happen if we actually genuinely, heartfeltly prayed this prayer, let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What would actually happen? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, in Revelation 5 and verse 8, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a song, etc., etc., etc. What would God's kingdom on earth look like if that prayer was answered, 
Let me tell you what it would look like. It would look like exactly what is spoken in Revelation 5 8. The harp represents worship, and the bow represents prayer and intercession. If, if the ch- and the church has got to move in this. The church will move in this dimension. I say this to you in a prophetic sense. The church will get a hold of this before Jesus returns. And these two attributes will be prayer and will be worship. If you remember the book that I wrote some years ago, I'm going to quote from a book here. It says, There will be such a hunger and thirst for God's presence that our church buildings and places of fellowship will not be able to contain those who desire to worship. Churches that we know today will take a different format. Beginning to happen already. Churches will have to to remain uh, open literally day and night to accommodate the worshippers, engaging congregations in no no other church activity that has been done before, like no other church. Praise and worship will be accompanied by prayer. I wrote this years ago. I saw this vision in 1984. Praise and worship will be accompanied by prayer and spill out into the streets with signs and wonders as a demonstration of God's power and love for mankind. It's the bull and the harp. Amen. That's what's taking see, that was what's taking place in heaven. That, that was a picture revelation of what's taking place in heaven. The guys are praying and worshiping. And we're saying, let heaven come to earth. God says, if you want heaven to come to earth, then this is your portion. This is what you've got to do. You've got to replicate or duplicate rather what's happening there. Here. What would that be? That would be worship. That would be prayer. Amen. So you want, you, want, you want heaven to come to earth? Yes, Lord. It's not going to come because you went to the latest seminar on heaven touching earth. It's going to come because you fervently pray. And, and that's, that's going to be my prayer this, this year for you as a congregation, that you'll catch the fire of prayer. Uh, that I'm not going to have to try and get you to prayer meetings. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. I will teach you and show you, by the grace of God, the importance of this, that you'll run to prayer meetings. Amen. And I saw a glimpse of that the other, you know, before we had the break. Remember that evening we had that wonderful evening we had downstairs? I was thrilled with that. I thought, man, these people want to worship God, Philip. They want, to, they want to pray. It was a wonderful night. In fact, many of you said to me, Pastor Tom, we should do this more. We're going to. Amen. That is a having touching earth dimension. That's how it comes. So, I said here, <clears throat> um, the key partners of prayer and praise and worship, my book again, and intimacy, reverence and godly fear will become much more evident in our meetings and we will grow in revelation, knowledge, of these activities. Prayer warriors will partner with worshippers in local churches and prepare the spiritual atmosphere for corporate gatherings. They will blanket the communities and towns and cities with God's presence and evangelists will come forth like Lazarus from the grave. Like Lazarus from the grave. Even evangelists whose ministries are seemingly dead. God will bring all those guys to the fore. Amen? So... Prayer is going to become important. The emphasis of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is making worship and prayer primary rather than an ancillary thing. Amen. See, Jesus 
And the Bible actually talks about the importance of prayer. It's interesting, you know, um, in Matthew 21, uh, 12, you can look this up. But in the Old Testament, it actually talks about the house of prayer. God defines um, the church as a house of prayer. In the New Testament, obviously it is a church. And Jesus, remember he went to the temple and there was money exchanges there. And he was really upset. And it says that, I'll read it to you. It says, and, and th- this really struck me this week when I was looking at this. And Jesus entered the temple grounds, this is the Amplified Bible, and drove out with force all who were buying and selling birds and animals for sacrifice in the temple area. And he turned over the tables of the money changers who made a profit. Now, I want you to get this picture. This is incredible because the, you know, we see Jesus as a mild man. This was not mild. This was a strong, young man who went in there. All these guys are selling their goods, their stuff. They're making money. They're making profit. This is a livelihood. Here comes this strong, young man, Jesus, who takes the tables and by force, he overturns them. He must have been like, like if I can say this reverently, and I say this reverently, a wild man, if you know what I'm saying. He must have went from one table, turned over, money scattered everywhere, doves flying everywhere, to the next table. To the, he, he went berserk because there was a passion about prayer. Are you with me? There was a passion about prayer. He drove them out. Can you imagine? Jesus wasn't saying, please move. Amen. He's saying, I'll drive you out. Why was he doing that? Because he was demonstrating. I think it's the only time in the Bible we ever see that. We get that side of Jesus because we don't get that side of Jesus. But it's there. Why did he do that? I was asking the Lord yesterday, God, why did he do that? And I felt the Lord say, because he had a passion for prayer. That passion has got to come back to the church. Come on, man, otherwise it's going to be a miserable life ahead. Amen. Come on, man. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to help you a miserable life with it. With it, you pray and you're going to because you're going to keep coming back. Pastor Tom, you know, it's not working. Pastor Tom, please help me. Do you know what I'm saying? Not this church. I've got the wrong church. I'm talking like there's someone listening out there. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you're always going to go, it's not working, man. I don't know why I'm not having breakthroughs. I just, I can't work this thing out. What is going on? God says, you need to get passionate about prayer. That doesn't mean you have to pray for hours. Just in the time that you do pray, get passionate. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man produces much power, the Bible says in the Amplified. It produces power. Power for what? Power to change stuff. Your prayer changes stuff. If you want stuff changed, pray. Amen? So, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Next week, we're going to do that. So that's exciting, isn't it? Now, it's interesting, if you look at that encounter there, what happens is, if you read that encounter with Jesus, so he turns over the money tables, he gets everything right, kicks the guys out. It's chaos. All of a sudden, something amazing happens. What happens? There's some sick guys come along. 
See, I mean, the place is in a mess. All of a sudden, here comes the sick guys walking into the temple. And he heals them. So as soon as he removed what was wrong, it made a place. As soon as he prioritized prayer for the church, there instantly was a change in the spiritual atmosphere in the temple area. And in walks the sick. They must have heard the chaos. I mean, the sick, they must have been kind of, if they could walk, walking over tables and, and getting rid of the feathers of the doves. I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> it looks like there was a war here, man, but why did you come here? I don't know. We just feel that there's healing here. There's a, there's a, there's a healing anointing here. We don't really know why we're here, but... And it's a bit of a mess. Don't worry about the tables, Jesus probably said. Don't worry about the tables and the mess. Just come here. You're getting what I'm saying? Don't worry about the mess. Just come here. It's there. Because Jesus prioritized prayer. There was a passion for prayer and healing flowed. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I could preach myself happy with that. The early church knew this stuff. The early church understood this. They'd been with Jesus. You think that's enough? They experienced signs and wonders. They experienced miracles and healings and angelic visitations and powerful preaching and people being raised from the dead. But what did they still do? You would have thought, whoa, that's, we're here. We've made it. The Holy Ghost is here. Everything's just going to continue wonderful. Things can never change. They did not do that. That's why many major moves of God have fallen. Because they think they can continue doing what they're doing, experiencing what they're experiencing, but they don't pray. The early church, in spite of that, in spite of the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the angelic visitation, the presence of everything, they still got on their knees and they prayed. And in the book of Acts, they were praying in English first. And then the Holy Ghost came, and He gave them a whole new prayer language. Oh, hallelujah. So do you think this is good, boys? You think that English, well, it wasn't English, it was whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. What, what, that, that's what, and the Holy Ghost comes and says, you think that's good? Wait till you get this. Wait till you move in... I'm excited this morning about this, man. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm so excited about this this morning. Wait till you get this prayer language. Because when you get this prayer language, you boys are going to go to a whole new dimension. A whole new level. You think that was good? Wait for what's coming. Amen? So they prayed. The Holy Ghost came and did great things. It's all there. The suddenly of God happened. Suddenly things happened through prayer. I'm going to get back to this Samuel Chadwick guy, this English fellow, the great Methodist preacher. He said this. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. He dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless Bible studies. He fears nothing from prayerless work for God. He fears nothing but prayerless religious stuff. He laughs at our religious toil without prayer. He mocks at our wisdom without prayer. 
But he trembles when we pray. Why? Because prayer is God's way of getting his plans into action on the earth. Can, can you see this? It's not because you pray. It's not because the devil's trying to say, want you not to be a spiritual giant, Barbara. It, it, it's not about that. What it is about is that when Barbara prays and she hears and she acts, God's plans and purposes yeah. are happening on the earth. See, the devil doesn't care too much of He's not after you. Don't think you're that important. He's actually after God. He's, he does not want the plans and purposes of God to actually work. And guess what? You're the channel through which God works. You're it. So when you pray, man, hasta la vista, baby. Woo! God's going to do powerful things. So the devil will say to you, don't pray. Let Pastor Tom do that. He's a pastor, man. Only those guys do that. You just relax. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just relax. <laughs> Take it easy. It's not that important. The big dudes, it's important for the big evangelists and the big TV parents. They let them pray, but you can just relax. No, 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 no. You're the one that God wants to use. Hello? Amen? Amen? Jim Newton's never been on television a lot like the big, big preachers, but he's affected hundreds of thousands of people in China. I wonder if he prays. Sure he does. Are you following me? See, at the end of the day, your, your, your fancy preaching and all your stuff doesn't mean anything. What is important is your prayer. What is important is your worship life with God. Your life can turn around if you are dedicated to prayer and to worship. I pray for this church every day except Sundays. Every day, one hour in the Holy Ghost, I pray for this church. I don't even know what I'm saying. Every day. That is then not my, that's got nothing to do with my prayer and for other stuff. Amen. This church would not exist. And I'm not saying because of me or Barbara. But it would not exist or any, anything that God is going to use in these times unless there's prayer. Businesses. Your business is not going to last unless you pray. Listen, guys, we're in serious times. The world is chaotic out there. I'm telling you, it's worse than what I thought. <laughs> it is worse than what I thought. We better waken up. We better realize the urgency of the hour. Amen? Amen. We have to waken up. Or we're going to miss what God's doing. But suddenly, things can happen. Chadwick said this. He says, prayer turns ordinary mortals into men and women of power. Who are you? I'm just little old me. I'm the housewife down the road. I've got two kids and a dog and a husband. You're not a preacher? No, I'm just a housewife. You don't have a full-time job? No, I look after the kids. And, but I know how to pray. And God laid in my heart there were some kids in China. Or there were some kids in Afghanistan. 
And so I prayed. Did you see any results? Not necessarily. But I know when I prayed, something happened to those kids in Afghanistan. You're going to write a book? No. I'm going to look after the kids and the husband and the dog. But I'm going to pray. Because I know when I pray, something happens. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. <laughs> James 5.17 The earnest, heartfelt, continued, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Oh, hallelujah. So this guy, Peter's in prison. Acts, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. We won't be long. Hours, we're good in time. Acts chapter 12. Is everybody happy? So what are you going to do this week? I think I'll just finish right there. I think I've, I've got it. No, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray and, and we're going to continue to pray. Peter's in prison in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. It says there, um, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Let me give you a couple of translations of verse 5. It says, instant and earnest prayer was made by the church. The other translation says, the church prayed for him most strenuously. Another one says, prayer was continually and earnestly being directed by the church to God for him. Another one says, so Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer was, was persistently made to God by the church's assembly. And he goes on in verse 6 and verse 7, And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and the chains fell off. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out, verse 9, and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real. Is this real? But thought he was seeing a vision. And when they were past the first and second guards, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of their own accord. And they went out and went down one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know that this is for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from um, all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when, look at verse 12 now. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose son name was Mark. And many were gathered together praying. Many. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. I mean, there's a guy knocking on the door. He's just been miraculously delivered from prison. He's knocking on the door. Can you hear that? He's knocking on the door. Rhoda comes, sees it's Peter, is excited, closes the door again and goes inside. Peter's standing in the outside of the door. Hello, somebody let me in. There was such excitement about the prayer that they didn't even let him in. Isn't that incredible? 
I think that's incredible. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. You ever heard that expression? That's where it comes from. She kept insisting that it was, that it was so. So they actually didn't believe it. Now, watch this. They've been praying and praying and praying. Yes. Knock on the door. Rhoda goes, it's him. She comes back and tells him. He said, you're beside yourself. See, here's, here's the point I'm going to make. They were praying, but not quite believing that God could do what they were praying about. There's an incredible message in this. The message is that you can pray, not in unbelief. You cannot pray in unbelief. They were genuinely believing that God would do something. But it was still such an enormous thing for God to do. There was still that little, I wonder if God can do that. But as they prayed, God did it. The point I'm trying to make is this. That you will pray for things this year that you think right now in the natural is impossible. I want you to know that they're possible. Things that are so big in the natural. Can God actually do this? How is God going to get him out of that prison between one guard, between two guards, between wall? How is God going to do that? Well, God did it because people were praying. Amen. See, that's why prayer agreement is so important. So if you get prayer agreement with someone, you're praying for X, Y, and Z, and you really want that thing to happen, but you'll pray with someone, and sometimes their prayers will be stronger than yours will in terms of the, the thing that you need to get. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're so close to it, it you can become so anxious about it. But the other person is not so much like that. And their prayers joining your prayers can be powerful. Does that make sense? Getting the result that you need. Amen? So there was a community prayer going on here. And by the way, Jesus was also, when Jesus, you know, the money changes, Jesus was showing the importance of corporate prayer. That's what's going to happen next week. It was corporate prayer that was taking place. So anyway, the whole story was... And Peter continued knocking. He continued knocking. And when they'd opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Isn't that incredible? Now, I'll close with this thought. Just making this up a little bit. But it'll be okay. Do you remember that guy, Paul? That guy, Paul? Paul is in prison. And... He starts to pray. And something happened. When he prayed, the supernatural took place. And the result was, again, see, this is interesting. He was in prison, supernatural took place, Philippine jail. And he was freed. And then... He led an entire family to Christ. Amen. So, so what prayer is going to do in these end times? I won't get into Paul. I'll leave that for next week in terms of momentum. But 
But what prayer is going to do in these times is prayer is going to release something even beyond what we're praying necessarily about. Amen. In other words, you're going to get add-ons. Because you've decided to pray, there's going to be add-ons. That's powerful. That's the power of prayer. That is the love of God. You see how important that is? See, at the end of the day, we cannot just think it's about us. It's about, it's about the kingdom. It's about people. We've no idea. That's why I've called that prayer. And we're coming next week to pray. Those five nights. We're praying for Israel. We're praying for the community. We're praying for one another. We're praying, I forget the other things we're praying for. But the five nights is five different things. You might say, I don't have any interest in, in Israel. It's not about you. It's not about Israel. It's about prayer. Come on now. I don't have any interest in praying for, for the community. It's not about you. It's not even about the community. It's about your commitment to pray. Because your commitment to pray then when we call a call, and you know me, I don't call corporate meetings every week. I don't place a great demand on this church at all. But, but I want you to understand something. Take yourself out of the situation and understand this principle. That when we pray corporately, the spin-offs that happen, we can be praying for the community. And because you've committed yourself to prayer, God can be doing other things. Because of your prayer. How powerful, how powerful, how unselfish is that? How unselfish is that? That is a mature church. That is the kind of church I want this to be. You know, everywhere I go and, and, I, and I listen to stuff and you meet people and you hear stuff and it is not about, today, it is not about the size of the church. It is not about that. Today, the emphasis is maturing the body of Christ. That they, can, that they know stuff. They know how to communicate with God to get results that will extend the kingdom. It's not about anything else. It's about that. God is looking for people who are unselfish. Thanks for your enthusiasm. I'm just kidding. What's that next week? Yeah, it's not this week. It's, it's the following week, Barbara. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. So it's the 18th, I think, we start, right? But do you, you hear what I'm saying? You know? People are dying, man. People are starving. The world's, the world's in chaos. The Middle East is in chaos. America, people don't know what's going to happen next. They have no idea. They have no idea. We're getting to that stage. This great nation, America, before it was like, we're in control. There's a feeling they're not in control anymore. Nobody's in control anymore. It's getting to that place where we're going to have to try, we're going to have to know the ways of God. The people knew God's works in Moses' time, but but Moses knew God's ways. There's a difference. He knew his ways. He knew the he knew the thinking of God. 
He knew how God operates. That's what you're going to have to know. That is what this generation is all about. Oh, God help us. God help us to be that, those kind of people. So I heard someone say something. And it's no slight on anybody. But it's not about your best life now. It's not about that. It is about repenting for things that has grieved the Holy Spirit. It is about repenting for things that we have not done. Amen. Now I believe in all the prosperity and I believe in all of that. But it's not about, it's not about the wrong stuff. God wants people to mature. He wants you to last. He wants you to be strong for what lies ahead. See, that's my responsibility to you as a pastor. I'm going to teach you stuff that will help you mature by the grace of God. Because I know right now that is exactly what God is saying to the church. I know that right now. It's not to just build you up with fluff to make you feel good. It's to mature you that we'll be sober-minded people for what lies ahead. Is that okay? Let's stand. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship. Let's just worship him. Father, help us, Lord. I want you to just meditate on some of the stuff I just said. God, we come to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to help us, Lord, to be sober-minded in these times, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the privilege of living at this time. Why don't you just thank him right now for the privilege of living at this time? Just cry out to God and thank him. Thank him for living right now. That's where we start this whole process. Thank you, Father, so much for allowing us to live in this season, Father. Thank you. Just thank him right now. This is what I hear. I hear the pitter-patter of rain. And it's getting heavier. And it's coming as a downpour. And it's going to be a soaking downpour. It's going to soak into you. It's going to penetrate. And then it's going to leave you as a flood. And it's going to flow. Thank you, Lord. Into the community and into the world, and it's going to be healing Jesus, Jesus, waters Jesus. Yes, Lord. to heal the nations. For the Spirit of God hears your cry today, and the flood is coming that will pour out yes. of you and bring healing and salvation to a hurting, dying yes, world. Lord. Yes, Lord. So as you press in, says the Spirit of God, I hear your cry. I'm sending the rain. It's going to affect you first. And it'll flow out from you as a flood and affect the nations and bring salvation and healing to a hurting, dying world. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This has been another podcast from Sydney Life Church. For more teaching and resources, please head to our website, sydneylifechurch.com.